Oh, why watch that sneak peek? Okay, so the critic got a chance to see the new anthology. <laughs> supposed to be. Supposed to be anthology. The new movie, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes, it is the new Cohen Brothers movie. Yeah. anthology and by the Cohen brothers i mean joel and ethan cohen yes you know though you know you know them oh please and I, okay we've got a lot of people starring in this anthology now remember this is going to be in theaters this week on the 8th in some theaters mm-hmm. but some of you're like well wait a minute i thought this was on netflix yes it'll be on netflix on the 16th of november uh, but it, at the same time, it will have a theatrical release. So remember, originally, this was supposed to be a Netflix TV series, but Owens decided to go in this format, this way. Yep. So that's why we have all these um, short little individual stories. So some of you, when you're watching it, you can watch it straight through as if you would in a theater or if you're at home, have the freedom to skip around. Now, who's in this? Uh, the question is, who's not? Right. <laughs> Someone who's not in it, good luck. You've got <laughs> Liam Neeson. You've got James Franco. You've got Clancy Brown. You've got Zoe Kazan. You've got Brandon Gleason showing up. You've got Steven Root. Yes. Tom Waits. You've got Tyne Daly is showing her face. Tim Blake Nielsen, who, who plays the character. Mm-hmm. Along with so many other familiar faces and characters, we will say. So the question is, uh, Critic, can you help us maneuver through this? And then secondly, is this something that we should wait and use our Netflix experience? Uh, or should we experience it in the theater, as you did at the New York Film Festival? Mm. Okay. Well, that'll be at the very end, of course. <laughs> yes. Let's do this. Now, as the ref beautifully said, look, everybody, this is essentially a Western comprised of six tales. And they're all based on a fictional book about the American frontier. But while each of these tales is distinct, there is a unifying force, mortality. Mm. So something to watch out for in each is who or what dies. Now, as you were saying, it's important to understand about this film that it was going to be a Netflix series. So it would have been a fairly easy binge uh, because uh, it would have been just over two hours for six episodes. But of course, the Cohen said no. Nope. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go episode by episode, summarizing and reviewing as I go. That'll be best. But before I do, I just have to say that the Coens certainly know how to stage moments and scenes. Mm. Their camera frames the events beautifully. Also, this is certainly the Coens' take on the Western genre with their particular offbeat sensibility. And with that said, let's start from the beginning with the titular, as you said, tale the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Hey. This is the story of a sharpshooting, white-hatted and clothed, singing cowboy, played to perfection by Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> How in the world could such an amiable and fun-loving singer 
be wanted as a murderous misanthrope. <laughs> just you wait. And in the end, here are the questions to consider. What is justice in regard to Buster? And what happens when he meets a man clad in black? Ooh. Now for this part's review, this titular story is the very best of the six, mm. which is unfortunate because it's the very first. Ah. Now it has energy, humor, and fun to go along with the violence. Just wait, just wait till you see how Buster handles a major threat in the form of Clancy Brown's character. Huh. Their clash rightfully received the biggest and longest laugh at the New York <laughs> Film Festival, okay, throughout this entire two-hour affair. All right. Up next is Nero Algodones, which features a bad luck bank robber played by James Franco, <laughs> who gets much more than he bargained for, because what should have been a simple bank robbery is complicated by seemingly scatterbrained bank teller played by whom? Stephen Root. <laughs> And of course, Stephen Root plays him with rambling gusto. <laughs> As a result, in the end, the robber has to meet his fate more than once. But who administers justice? The law, Native Americans, or someone else? Now, once again, the Coens bring humor to a particular Western trope. This time it's the execution. And while it was hard to understand everything that was said, <laughs> and while this story isn't as strong and focused as the first one was, Near Algodones is still one of the better installments here. And this is because, for this film overall, the humor works better than the more serious parts. Which takes us to the third story, Meal Ticket. Mm. In this somber tale, Liam Neeson plays a man who's in charge of a traveling show that features Harry Melling's artist character, who is an orator extraordinaire with an unexpected physiognomy. However, Despite his oratorical skills and talents, these two guys find that it's getting harder and harder to make a living. But what can they do? Well, the answer to that question takes the duo somewhere they never imagined. But here's the question. Will you want to join them as an audience member? Well, the challenge here is that all of a sudden, things shift to something serious. So while there are pockets of humor here, it does take a bit to get used to the tonal change. However, what this tale has going for it is its focus on what people have to do when their way of earning a living is no longer viable. And thankfully, though not surprisingly, the Coens explore that without being obvious about it. Hmm. I will say, though, that you shouldn't expect anything earth-shattering from Liam Neeson. His role doesn't give him that much to do, but he does have a laugh. I'll tell you that. He does earn it. Okay? Hmm. Now, moving on to the next tale, All Gold Canyon in which things also aren't so great for a solitary gold prospector played by Tom Waits. <laughs> he happens upon unblemished land that must, in his opinion, have gold for the picking. The question is, just where is the gold hiding? Also, even if he finds gold, will he be able to last long enough to profit? Now, this is one of the stronger installments. This time, the Coens used the lull from the previous story into the opening of this story to set up one of the funniest twists in the entire film. <laughs> I won't tell you exactly what that moment is, but it led to probably the second biggest laugh in the theater overall. And it was a close second. <laughs> Plus, Tom Waits couldn't have been any better 
Oscar nomination. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, ref, two stories left. And the first of these final two stories is the gal who got rattled, which I believe is the longest part at over 30 minutes long, if I'm not mistaken. But is it worth its length? Well, Zoe Kazan plays Alice Longabo, who comes oh so close to marrying Billy Knapp, who's played by Bill Hack, as they travel along a trail via a wagon train. But their love is complicated by many things. First, Alice experiences a shock, which I won't spoil. Second, Billy's been working the trail with his boss, Mr. Arthur, played by Granger Hines, for quite some time. So he'd have to quit and become a farmer to support a family. And third, the appearance of Native Americans poses a threat to them all. So for the second time, the Coens include a Native American raiding party, which I found unfortunate. Ah. Now look, while depicting Native Americans as threats is common in Westerns, right now, it's not enough to leave it at that. Yeah. I thought we were over that stereotype. I thought so. Okay? As was shown in The Revenant. Look at that! Plus, I expect more from the Coens. Why couldn't they bring a twist to that common trope, right? Missed opportunity. Huh. Other than that, while this story does end on a fitting note, and while there was a whole extended bit with a yapping dog, I wasn't that interested in it. It wasn't worth its length. And lastly, we come to The Mortal Remains, in which Time Daly plays a lady who while riding a stagecoach to who knows where, exacts righteous judgment on a motley crew of strangers, including a Frenchman played by Saul Rubinek, an Irishman played by Brendan Gleeson, a smelly and furry trapper played by Chelsea Ross, and an Englishman played by John Joe O'Neill. That sounds these- like a joke. <laughs> doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. Now, these people like to talk, some more than others, and two of them are hiding something on top of the coach. But in the end, here's the question. Are they safe? Now, all right, look. Here's what I was asking myself as I watched this. And Ref, you can probably read with my thoughts. Is this the love child of the Coens and Quentin Tarantino? Oh. Right? I kept thinking that this could have been a sanitized scene from The Hateful Eight. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, I think that the Coens were smart to cast Time Daly as the lone female because she knows how to use her voice to do the work. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Her voice cut through all of the men's talking like a horn. It worked beautifully. Outside of that, I found this a curious place to end the entire film. As the story with the most ambiguous ending, it didn't feel right to end here. It was too anticlimactic, but this is the Coens. So, to end this review, there are two questions that I need to answer. What about the film overall? And who should see it? And how? Yes. Well, first of all, I do have to say, as you probably can tell, that this is a mixed bag. Not all of the stories are created equal. But if you're a fan of the Coens and or of Westerns, go ahead and check this out. It won't hurt to see it in a theater even because it's not too long. So if you're a big time fan, why not? Even Like there's a whole sequence at the end of Buster Scruggs that is gonna look great on a big screen mm. as you're laughing, <laughs> okay? So just keep that in mind. Now, if you're going, uh, I don't really wanna go out, why would I do that? I can wait until the 16th when it comes on Netflix. Okay, uh, the good thing about that is you can easily fast forward and rewind. 
Also, as markers, each story begins and ends with a look at the appropriate pages from the fictional book. So if you're interested, go ahead and read those pages, uh, especially the ending ones. In many cases, they help to put a bow on each story's ending. And now for the final point. There are a few moments in this film that are flat out hilarious and memorable, and those moments alone are worth the watch. So you've heard it here first. That was a beautiful, thorough, specific review from the critic, as he usually delivers. Thank you. I appreciate that. The question really lies on you, listeners. Are you going to see this at home where you can, as the critic said, fast forward, read, pause? If there's that big laugh moment, you can pause the whole thing and get your laugh out. Kick your feet up, throw your popcorn if you'd like, and not have to worry about uh, some usher coming to tap you on the shoulder. I'm going to watch some of those moments again. It's that (laughs) funny. Yeah. Or are you going to see it in the theater? Or are you just going to skip it all together? Well, it sounds like you may need to listen to this review again if you're not quite sure which avenue you're going to take. Because I'll tell you what, we've set you up for the ballad of Buster Scrubs.